Welcome to Connex, a global leadership platform for construction executives. Today I have on the phone with me Anthony Bond from, uh, is it, it, do you go by Tony or Anthony? Uh, Tony. Okay, so Tony, you're with uh, uh, bond, uh, bond Brothers? Correct, yes sir. So you're the president of Bond Brothers. So, so just to kind of kick it off, uh, uh, Tony, tell us uh, kind of where you grew up, you know how you got into what you do now kind of your history a little bit and then kind of flip it and uh and talk a little bit kind of about your company sounds great no i, I appreciate that scott thanks for having me on here um so uh yeah so uh i'm a boston-based boy i would say through and through i've i've lived uh just 15 20 minutes north of boston pretty much my entire life red sox um, fan uh, of course, Red Sox, Patriots, Celtics, Bruins, all the way through. Okay, <laughs> you know, right. No fans or butts, no wiggle room there. <laughs> uh, so, uh, you know, and uh, my family's business has actually um, uh, been based out of that same exact area, right? Naturally, being in a family business, that's why I've lived in this area my entire life. Mm -hmm. um, and so, uh, you know, I always like to joke, I, I started in the business when I was about three months old, uh, when my mother brought me in in the car seat, put me in the boardroom. Uh, you know, for the first time when we were located out of um, Everett, Mass, which is just, I got five minutes north of the city. Mm -hmm. um, and so, uh, but honestly, since then, you know, uh, of course, since I was about three months old, I, I did a couple internship gigs, if you will. Uh, I like to joke. Uh, I was actually employee number two in, I, in our IT department when IT departments were just getting started. So I think my father thought because I was a young guy, I, I knew something about computers, which I happily actually did. So it would be the first one to be setting up laptops and all that jazz. Um, mm -hmm. it, was, uh, it was the late 90s or so, I think it was. Um, and then, uh, you know, of course, went to school, uh, finished my education uh, up at the University of Vermont. I was actually, um, I, I'm not an engineer by trade, believe it or not. I, I am an, actually a, a finance and accounting guy. I, I love the dollar signs, if you will. <laughs> um, so I do well with those. So um, did you have to catch in your personality to get that major? Or is that just, you know? <laughs> Well, I, I would say hopefully my, my personality is what got me through college more than anything else. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, well, shortly that, after. That's interesting that, you're, uh, that, that that's your background because a lot of people assume um, a lot of times you're either engineer, construction manager, whatever, but probably, I, I have to say running my own business, you use m more finance than you do anything. Uh, I would say uh, I was... I don't want to say I was steered that way, but, you know, certainly when I was uh, after I was getting close to finishing up high school, when I was, a, you know, I forget when exactly sophomore, junior, starting to talk about colleges. I was talking to my father about that because there are some there's some great schools in the greater Boston area, of course, that have specific focuses on engineering or construction management. Um, and my father was very specific to say, you know, um, you know, certainly you will have to learn that aspect of the business. But, you know, if you have hopes of ever taking over, you're going to have to use a little bit more of your, uh, you know, a business degree, a business background. Um, so he, he, I would say he gave me very good advice uh, when I was in high school. And I was going to say that's some good advice there. Yeah, to help choose the direction I went. I did eventually go back for actually my master's in construction management um, at Wentworth, uh, which is based at the Boston area and is a big school for the construction industry here. So yeah, I did absolutely. eventually follow through because actually I did feel left out of the crowd about 90% um, of our uh, folks, that uh, my colleagues here at Bond either probably have a CM degree or some sort of civil engineering degree or something along those lines. So, so I had, I had to fit in if you will. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. I hear you. So but, tell uh, us about bond brothers. Uh, certainly. Uh, so uh, bond was started back in 1907, actually. So we're 115 years old now. 
Uh, it was actually wow. started when my uh, great great grandfather um, took a five hundred dollar loan from his mother to start a construction business. And so you're so, four, you're fourth generation, or th- is it fourth generation? Uh, I'm actually fifth generation. Wow. Uh, so it was wow. my great great grandfather, then great grandfather. Uh, fortunately, unfortunately, I didn't know those two individuals, but of course, then my grandfather ran the business for many years. Uh, my father ran the business for well over three decades. Um, and then I took over from him last year. And, you know, of course, since we started, we've, you know, greatly evolved. I, I mean, we probably, uh, I think we were working with, horse, I, there's a photo somewhere of us with like horse and buggies, essentially. Um, you know, so. Wow. Well, you know, it's amazing, you know, multi-generation, especially third plus generations are amazing to me because, well, you know, and uh, maybe some people in the audience don't, but there's some major tax break when you go to the third plus generation because of how difficult it is to go from the second generation to the third generation. We, there's, um, my father has certainly, my father loves history and, and loves those sorts of, uh, you know, statistics and anecdotes. And he did research a long time ago. He was trying to figure out how many businesses made it to fourth generation, let alone fifth generation. Um, and they don't even really keep records on those, if you will. Right. Wow. So, um, so we're, so we're very fortunate just, Having been in the market, we've been what, in. The what do you market. what do you accredit that to? And I don't mean to interrupt you. I just okay. I'm just so interested by that. What do you think? What do you accredit that to? Uh, honestly, to me, it's uh, it's a pretty simple answer. Um, we're very fortunate to work in an area with I would say a lot of great clients. Certainly, uh, you know we've you know when we look back, I mean some of the clients we're working with to this day, uh, you know EverSource is one of the biggest utilities in our area. Um, you know, they have uh, offices throughout, you know, Massachusetts and Connecticut. Um, we've been working with them for over a hundred years now, you know, be, you know, wow. naturally they've consolidated over time, right. And the consolidation is back, but back when they were Boston Edison, we were working with them. Uh, you know, the Harvards, the, the Massports, the MBTAs, right. A lot of the clients in the, in the, I would call it in the Boston, greater Boston area. Um, those have been our core clients for, you know, a hundred plus years now. So I'd, I'd certainly say that's number one. And then number two is, I think we're very fortunate of being a family business um, that we certainly appreciate the the longevity. And it's always interesting to me because we talk, you know, we talk a lot about the family business, but there's actually only ever been like, because uh, my sister's in the business with me, of course. So both of us are this generation, but there's only really been like seven or eight bonds uh, in the business in its history. So we're, so we're a family business, but we're not one of those family businesses that has, you know, 20 cousins, you know, 15 siblings or whatever it is in the business, right? We're a family business. We identify that with that even more because a lot of the folks that have worked in our business have legacy working here as well, right? We have numerous uh, colleagues of mine that are third generation employees here. So that's oh, really, to me, I think that's what exemplifies our, our success. We have, a, we have a great client base. We have a, a history of people who have family that's worked at this business and continue to grow with this business as well. Well, so. great credit upon you and your, uh, your family. That's a significant accomplishment. I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah. So, it's, it's a credit to the people. So, so, um, so what do you guys, what's your guys's focus? Is it, is it, you, you mentioned some utilities and different things. Is it vertical construction? Is it utility? What do you, what would you, or is it a lot of different things? Uh, it's, it's a lot of different things actually. And I, and I would say it very much kind of goes back to our history. It's, um, if you will, um, just, you know, uh, while Boston is certainly isn't the, you know, the Boston and the greater Boston area certainly isn't the biggest market in the United States. Um, it's a pretty active, you know, active, uh, pretty active area, if you will, especially for the construction mm-hmm. market. 
Um, so I would say we very much identify as a building contractor and also as a civil and utility contractor, um, as an energy contractor, if you will. You know, recently we started a mechanical team. Um, and I, it, a lot of that started because I would say in uh, for, for many years, almost actually, honestly, 100 years, there was such a volume of work, a volume of clients that had same, you know, similar philosophies as us, um, that we were able to grow our business pretty much within a, like a 20, 30 mile radius of Boston, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that was more than enough for us to sustain. We were competing with, you know, uh, a lot of the large national contractors, you know, doing projects that from, you know, $200,000 to $200 million. So we had just uh, such a core client base and such a great group of folks here that we really thrived in this area. Um, and that's what really informed our identity, honestly, too. And then over time, we've begun to morph. And, you know, we st- even though we are Bond Brothers Inc., we, you know, we have um, the, the parent company that's been in place for 115 years. Over time, given the size, we've actually split up into a couple of different subsidiaries, different entities with their own distinct identity, but that can also rely on the the whole, right? The aggregate of what Bond can do and provide to our clients, if you will. Well, that's interesting how like, you know, you have this legacy, but you're always looking at things change, you know? And I attribute a lot of the the, the, the loss of uh, companies be, you know, uh, family companies or, or private owned companies uh, dying or selling is uh, the fact that they don't evolve with time. Can you talk to us a little bit about kind of like how you guys have evolved, kind of how your business modeled and some of the situations that have occurred that kind of have made that evolve? Uh, certainly, you know, I would say, um, you know, the the one thing that certainly, you know, I, and I can speak, of course, more uh, more recently to my uh, under my father's leadership, as well as, you know, a lot of the members on his leadership team. Um, I think we all appreciated what we did well, the clients that we worked for. Um, and, and the people that we had on our team. But we realized that we had to realize the things that we did so well that made us different from a lot of the other our other peers in the industry, but then continue to evolve the company, not just kind of rest on our laurels, if you will. We had to get better as a firm, right? We had to push ourselves. And, you know, I, I always think back to one of our core values, right? Uh, one of our core values is excellent. It's excellence. It's driven to exceed expectations. Um, and that's something that is like just fundamental to our identity. We always want to do better. Um, you know, we're, we're a company that, for lack of a better term, uh, you know, we wear our scars. We sometimes, candidly, sometimes we wear them proudly, right? You know, because we've taken on those risks. We've taken on those challenges. We've pushed those companies. But those have also allowed us to become a better firm, a better organization. And we always want to continue to work for our clients, exceed our clients' expectations, be their contractor of choice. And, you know, for our team members, for our colleagues, we want to be that employer of choice. So that's well, something that's just fundamental and that's been literally passed down in our DNA from generation to generation, if you will. What you're saying is it, it, just screaming out to me that book is what got you here won't get you there, you know, some mm-hmm. some things. And it sounds like you guys have taken the philosophy that, hey, we have to we have to continue to improve, you know, and uh, um, some people sit back on their laurels and allow, well, we've been around for a while, so we're going to be around for a while. And. Uh, a business is like a tree; it either grows or dies. <laughs> yeah, never say the same. Exactly, exactly. And you know, I think we're we're very fortunate because because of that. And I think you know, most of the clients, if you ask them, they would they would recognize that about us. Uh, recognize that about us. 
um, that we are always trying to push ourselves. And we've been in the way, honestly, a lot of the way we've grown over the years is our clients have pulled us into new markets, right? They've had, they've had these cha unique challenging projects and they have literally said like bond, we need you to come down here and do X, Y, Z project for us. And that's, that's led to a lot of our growth and allowed us to, you know, in 115 years, do all our growth completely organically, if you will. Um, which is certainly a unique situation for a company our size. You know, we, we work with a lot of um, the, the consulting firms and whatnot that support our industry. Um, and there's not many companies that get to our size by just continuing to grow organically, if you will. Um, speaking to that, can you kind of, and I kind of, I didn't mean to cut you off, but I was so, you know, taken back by the fact that you guys are fifth generation that I wanted to go down that road. But can you kind of, kind of go on there? Can you tell us about, you know, how many employees, what, what, what size projects you do, that type of thing? Uh, yeah, certainly. Um, so uh, right now we have about, I would call it 300 folks in management across our different organizations. So between, um, you know, leadership, project management, superintendents, estimators, uh, what have you. Uh, so we have about 300 folks there. Uh, on the craft side, we are um, a large self-performed business. Uh, you know, one of the things we, I, I would say we are certainly a professional builder, if you will. But one of the things that we fundamentally identify is as a builder, right? We were going through some long range planning meetings last summer and I was having this conversation with our colleagues. You know, one of the things is we want to be the most professional environment, provide the most professional experience, the professional service. But one of the things that differentiates us, differentiates us is we love to build. We love to actually control our destiny. So um, on top of the 300 folks in management, uh, we have anywhere from seasonally from, you know, 300, 400 to up to sometimes 700 uh, union craft employees with us as well. So, um, so you know, just given the nature of the self-performed business, especially working up here in the Northeast, the winters always get a little bit slower on the self-performed side, given some of our specialties, if you will. Um, but you know, we are we are a rather large employer of management, and of course, uh, one of the largest, one of the larger employees of union craft in the Northeast as well. So, can you talk a little bit about kind of uh, has there been any there's been a lot of events over the last 100 years, but in your mind, whether it's in your generation or previous generations, has there been any any game changer events that really you think have helped you guys continue to succeed? You know, and I think of one like for my business, my business were you know about were 15 years old, and for me, 2008 was a big challenge for us, but it actually worked out for us because we're in the government arena. So, so they pumped a lot of money into the government at that time. Can you think of, you know, any of those game changing significant events that really kind of shaped the model of your business today? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I would say um, prior to me being in the business, um, there was two fundamental ones that I, that I always kind of go back to uh, that are certainly in the more recent history in the, in, you know, the early mid two thousands. Uh, the first one being uh, a large project we won with Harvard, uh, their Northwest Labs project. It was mm -hmm. actually, it has, I was, uh, it started right before I started in the firm in 2006. I think we, it got broke ground in, right around that time frame. Um, but that was one of the, the largest projects, uh, potentially even one of the, the largest project Harvard had ever done at the time. It was roughly a $200 million project. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'm sure as you can appreciate, we were, Certainly a good-sized firm, well-respected, a lot of work with Harvard, uh, and but most of the projects we've probably done, we're probably in the 50 to 75 million dollar range, maybe a hundred million dollar project, if you will. Uh -huh. Right? 
So we were very successful just given the complexity of that project, um, not only being a lab space, but then having its own, uh, you know, co-generational facilities, what have you. Um, they, given our technical expertise, they decided to award that project to us, right? Um, over a lot of the large national players that were pursuing that work, right? That uh, certainly had a lot more experience, candidly, building that size project. Mm -hmm. um, so that certainly put us into, in our building side specifically, put us into an entirely new arena um, with our client base and, and allowed us to progress our programs um, and deliver a project successfully for, you know, a marquee client, of course, um, not only in the Northeast, but arguably the world, right? Harvard University is a brand to yeah, where you go. Um, so that was a that was certainly a huge monumental aspect for us to really be able to scale the business up and take on that significant size of a project. Uh, the other one I always think too is that it honestly happened right around the same time frame that you know mid two thousands late two thousands time frame. Um, we had uh, just come off doing a large uh, utility tra electric transmission project um, for NSTAR, uh, which is uh, was now EverSource, but at the time was the, you know the major power provider. Um, in the greater Boston area. Um, we had just done a, it was about a 80 to $100 million project for them. Um, uh, underground transmission work, you know, through tight city streets, again, just a core specialty of ours. And uh, one of essentially the company they ended up merging with Northeast Utilities pulled us down into Connecticut to do an even larger project, almost double the size, if you will. Um, because we had that expertise, because we had done that project so successfully, and because there was just no other contractors that could take that on, they pulled us into Connecticut. We had never worked in Connecticut before prior to that time, and they pulled us down there to be able to do that and deliver that work for them. So, you know, when I mention our clients helping us grow and expanding the business and pulling us area, that, those are the two monumental uh, milestones, I would say, from prior to me, that certainly uh, resonate with us with how we helped grow the business. And then, you know, certainly more recently, um, you know, we've had a lot of great opportunities, a lot of, you know, large projects. Um, we've just coming off doing another large, massive project for Harvard. Um, similarly, at the same time, doing another one for MIT, um, largely focused around, I would call it district energy work, if you will, right? So co-generational facilities. And given the amount of work that we've done now in that space, it's allowed us to now take that show on the road. Um, we were just successful winning our first building project outside of the New England area in upstate New York, working at Syracuse University. Um, and that project's going to get going this year. Uh, we've now won a project down in uh, Philadelphia, the Philadelphia area for another university as well. And we're also a lot, or we're now actually being pursued and being pulled to work in areas outside even the, you know, the entire Northeast. We're actually now actively pursuing a project down at the, uh, down in Florida, if you will, in that district energy market. So, so to me, when I think of some of our history and some of the projects we've been able to pursue, um, it's really building that resume, building that technical expertise, and then clients, not only that are, you know, we've worked with currently, but that are adjacent in our markets now pulling us in different areas. Well, um, and you, I think, man, you hit on a, a, a great marketing strategy and this is really simple how about just doing a good job <laughs> you know and it sounds to me like you've done a good job and you hooked your wagon to people who also do a good job in their you know take you know and when you do that i mean you succeed along with them that is very much the case um you know we, we hire fantastic we have fantastic leadership we have fantastic project teams and, and they all work, pull it together. And it, you're absolutely right. Our greatest marketing 
is by far a successful project and a happy client, right? And it's not, and that goes beyond just making sure you know the project's done safely on you know on budget on time, right? Those are, for lack of a better term, for us, those are just table stakes, right? You know, yes. you shouldn't be in the business if you can't do that. Um, uh, the next level is how you engage the customer, how you help solve their challenges. And one of the things I love about our markets that we work in, right, whether it's education, healthcare, energy, right? We're working for these clients, you know, the folks that we, for lack of a better term, sign the contract with, but the ultimate customer, you know, are the students, are the communities, are the residents. And that's something that very much resonates with us. We understand that, you know, our client is more than just the entity that we're working with, if you will. You know, what's also interesting, I think, about you guys is that it, se- it seems to me like we go through this path of, of, you know, we were traditionally construction companies because we performed, right? Self-performed. And then we went to the management, you know, the, our industry went to where we try to separate ourselves where we're simply a CM. And then we gone back to self-performing and it seems like we go back and forth. Right now, it seems to be like very advantageous to be in a position that you guys are in because, well, I don't need to tell you anything you don't already know, but craft labor, you know, uh, there's the ability to have have that in-house is is a huge can you talk about that a little bit absolutely yeah i I mean for us uh you know we work in the northeast right so we work in boston and providence rhode island new haven connecticut um you know new york city new jersey areas of course as well so you know there there's certainly a robust i would call it subcontractor supplier vendor market right so we're very fortunate to have a lot of great supplier relationships as well um that we very much rely on and lean on um, but for us, the self-perform uh, does provide an a- advantage and certainly just given some of the markets that we play in as well, right? We we love to focus on those complex, technically challenging projects. Um, and it does require a skill set that's to maybe a little bit different than a lot of what our subcontractors and suppliers can do, if you will, right? It, it takes a, a different level of attention to planning, um, to safety, to quality, right? Um, to even schedule management, if you will, right? A lot of these facilities that we're working in, um, you know, beyond just being in, you know, congested areas, whether you're working on an active campus or working in an active plant, you also have to appreciate the schedule, the time frame that it takes to get these done. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if, if we're working for one of our utility clients um, and they have to, whether it's on the gas side, the electric side, what have you, they have to take an outage, right? That means they're not flowing gas or electricity to their customers. So being able to get that done in a three-day, four-day, five-day period is absolutely critical. So for us to be able to control and work with the workforce, make sure they have the appropriate skill sets, make sure we have those resources already at our fingertips is critical to our success. Are um, you, you know, what what trades do you guys self-perform? Um, so uh, we are right now, we are signatory uh, with uh, the laborers, the operators, the carpenters um, in our building and civil utility businesses. Um, so in the, in the building side, I would, so I would call it, uh, certainly your general requirements, um, a lot of self-performing around uh, certainly sheetrock and, and other aspects, um, on the civil utility side, uh, and the civil utility business, if you will, uh, that is more focused certainly around the utility markets, um, uh, around flow and gas. So anything in the gas realm, that's something we would self-perform, uh, anything that flows the molecules, if you will. Uh, we're not electricians by trade, but on the electrical side. Um, you know, we'll work in the substations, converter uh, stations, uh, support everything from anchor bolts down, if you will, uh, as well as uh, on the uh, utility side, you know, just given the Northeast, you know, given the constraints, given the weather, uh, we also, of course, are very much involved 
um, in the underground transmission side and, and the bearing of those cables, just from a reliability and a weatherproofing standpoint, if you will. Then we actually just uh, not not even 18 months ago, um, we opened up our bond mechanical business. So we actually started a brand new business in November 2020 uh, that is solely focused on uh, mechanical work, but in the power, energy and process space, if you will. It's not your typical commercial HVAC. Um, but very much focused on, you know, in the plants, in the industrial nature, if, if you will. So that side is, you know, steam fitters, boilermakers, millwrights, those those types of trades. So talk a little bit about what the future looks like uh, for your company. So uh, for us, um, you know, we're looking to continue to grow the business. Um, you know, we've, of course, we're, I would say, a mainstay in the New England markets, if you will, uh, in the New York, New Jersey markets. We're still, I would say, uh, we're, we're very well established down there. We actually were the ENR contractor of the year, what was, I think, two years ago now. Um, so we, we've been able to make a lot of headway. But our hopes in the future is to continue to grow the business, continue to scale the business in a lot of the specialty areas that we service. Um, very much focused on... Uh, ensuring that we can continue to not only uh, meet the requirements of our current clients, but as our clients also start to merge and consolidate, if you will, um, be able to service them in new areas, new markets, and bring our expertise, which is on those challenging, complex, uh, you know, projects for them. Um, and that's where we really where we found a niche. So, um, you know, our focus is to continue to push the boundaries and then push the geographical growth of the firm. Um, and, you know, really, it's it's trying to make sure we can find the right people that fit into the culture here and give people those opportunities to help us, you know, achieve their hopefully goals and visions of how they want to grow their careers while helping us succeed in our business opportunities here to help grow the business and evolve it even further, if you will. Well, that's not, that sounds like a great. A lot of people think when they think about growth, they think about outside necessarily what they do or what their core competency is now but it sounds like you've you guys have been there and done that not that you guys are against it but your key focus has to do uh, more about doing what you guys do so well for more people yeah and you know we've been again I think that's you know we will continue to adapt as the market changes certainly you know um, you know we're very fortunate um, in, in the Northeast here again working with utility clients if you will specifically having worked on the electric and gas side, but naturally there's a push for a changing energy, energy mix, if you will. Um, so, you know, we're about to, uh, there's a big offshore wind presence growing in the Northeast here, if you will. Um, not only with some of our existing utility clients like Eversource, um, but a lot of folks from international, whether it's, you know, Equinor or Ested and others. And we're very fortunate to be, you know, at the, at the precipice of being able to work with those folks too. So, so it allows us to take our skill set. Um, take what we really do well, again, those logistically challenging complex projects and bring it to new clients here that are coming into our markets um, as the markets begin to shift, as, as the needs of the consumer base uh, change, as the needs for education change, um, and be able to provide that service to them just because that is what we're focused on. So turn the turn the focus of this back to you a little bit here. And I know a lot of people I talk to that uh, well, obviously, I talked to a lot of construction executives. I find a lot of uh, humility, w you know, within their, you know, humble nature within what they do, humble leadership uh, nature. And uh, um, I, I, I'm always interested of what you believe, you know, without being too modest here. But um, I'm asking you not to be modest. Uh, what skills and ability do you think that you have had that's helped push your company? into the future going to the next generation? 
Uh, that is, uh, <laughs> that's an excellent question. If you will. Um, and it's, it's so funny. Everybody, like, when it comes to the business and as an organization, whole, they got it. But when you turn it back on yourself, it's, it's tough. But, uh, well, I, I would, I would say this, um, you know, having grown up in the business, right. And, and been very fortunate that, you know, that once, uh, once I graduated college and stepped in full time, you know, I, I, I was able to work with the predecessor who, who ran our business for many years, uh, you know, former president, Bob Murray, of course, my father, uh, for, you know, years, even before that, right. You know, um, you know, prepping me for what yeah. it's, for what it takes. Um, and, and the key that I always come back to, uh, that, you know, has allowed me to have some success, but, you know, certainly allowed them to have success in others is making sure you surround yourself with people and skill sets, um, that are stronger than yours that are different than yours. Right. So I think one thing that I've certainly tried to, you know, I don't do the best job at it, but I, I like to think I'm always working on it, is ensuring that we have the best way to identify and bring in talent and develop that talent, if you will. Um, you know, in construction, candidly, right, there's not a lot of, there's not a lot of mystery, there's not a lot of secrets, there's not a lot of uh, trade secrets to how to get work done, right? It is all about the people. Um, so for me, as a leader in this industry, you have to be able to buy, you know, identify the right talent to bring into this business and then groom them to make sure they understand the company's culture, the company's values, what our clients' needs are. So I'd say for me, that's certainly one of my skill sets that I'm, I'm proud of is being able to go out there and say, this person would be an excellent fit and trying to help them reach their potential and help them understand how they can make the biggest impact in the organization. Well, hopefully helping them achieve their goals. That's, if I, if I had to say, if I had to think of one thing, that's, that's certainly it for me, right? It's, it's that talent development identification, if you will. And, and you know what is funny about that is that what you said is exactly what I tell everybody. And that's what I, I, I have discovered over the, the last four years of doing this podcast is that one, some of the best leadership leaders of an organization are truly the ones who are good at spotting and developing talent, you know? Yeah. So it's not necessarily what they do, but what the people they can bring together can do. Yeah, and it, it's funny. I always, uh, I always get a chuckle out of it because it always made sense to me growing up. Now, when I look at it, it's always a little humorous. But my father always told me, he goes, "Hire people smarter than you." Right? So, <laughs> <A lot of laughs> never meant it as an insult, but whenever I say it out loud, and if I don't explain why, he always said it, right? You know, people always get a chuckle out of it. But it, it's true. It's, it's, it's make sure you surround yourself with people that have a passion for this industry, that want to succeed and have that experience right whether it's that iq or the eq whatever it might be whatever their whatever their skill set is whatever they bring to the table make sure you know what that is make sure you know why you're bringing them on board and make sure you help them realize their full potential to the greatest extent possible so talk to us a little bit about some i think there's a lot to be learned from failures in fact i had lunch with somebody today uh my chief administrative officer about uh and we were talking about how failures are so important in our growth you know, and how with our kids, we don't want them to fail. But in reality, that's probably the best thing you can do for your kids is allow them the freedom to fail. Now, talk, referring to that, I thought it's been so interesting over the last few years talking to executives and listening to the stories about failure. And uh, I think of Mark Hill. Mark Hill said one of his greatest failures was um, is, uh, he, you know, he, he, he felt like school wasn't his thing. So he, he dropped out, went to work for his dad, on uh, driving a dump truck. And one of the day he came in and his dad sold the damn dump truck, you know, <laughs> yeah. he said, you're going back to school, you know? And he goes, you're, you're going to be better doing that than you are driving the dump truck, you know? So 
can you tell us about like some of those things, you know, so maybe a personal or a business story, a very valuable lesson you learned from a failure you had? Ah, uh, you're asking for my deep, dark secrets here, right? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I am. I, 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 am. I, failures. I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we, 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 um, uh, uh, we had an expression for that. Those were called uh, Tony's very expensive learning issue, mistakes, right? <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Uh, no, but I, I would say I, certainly some of them. And, and uh, I, again, I, I don't I want to give credit to a lot of team members because I don't want to describe them as failures. Um, but I certainly want to describe them as learning experience. Right. And, and yes. certainly when I think of a failure, it's it's not a failure, but it's how could I have done things differently? If mm -hmm. you will, Right. And that's what I think that's what you're asking about. And yes, um, you know, when when we went into I would say, hey, you know, um, when we went into New York City back in, you know, the 2015, 2016 timeframe, that's when we opened the office down there. You know, we had a not quite the similar situation I was talking about, but really we had a client pulling us into that marketplace. Right. Um, and New York City is a is a world unto itself. Right. You know, we're you know, we've been, we've been worked in Boston for 100 plus years. But, you know, um, you know, you always heard that you always heard the, the stories about New York City and what, what, what uh, the challenges of contractors working down there and the challenges of contractors going into the market and then quickly leaving that market. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and I'd say one of the things that I certainly learned from that experience, um, as you know, we're, we're, we're doing quite right, well right now. We've got a lot of uh, a lot of projects going on. We got even a lot more opportunity out there. But if I could do it over, the one thing I realized is we, you know, we kind of went into that market um, quickly. And um, just given the way the business was organized, um, you know, myself and, a, you know, one or two other individuals kind of spearheaded the initiative ourselves, if you will. Right. Mm -hmm. And when you're making that big of an effort, it's really important to have that conversation with other members. You know, not that we weren't having this conversation in general, but really make sure you work on that plan. Right. Really making sure you're identifying the why, the opportunities, you know, the, the, the upsides, the downsides and, and working co more collectively as a team to go tackle those, right? Um, this business is bigger than any one individual, if you will. Um, and that was certainly something I, I learned going down into that marketplace, because if I, if I go back, um, the one thing I'd recognize, and if you, and if you talk to uh, certainly our leader down in New York City, who's, who was the gentleman that uh, was our first New York hire, if you will, he would say the same thing is, when, when you're branching out and you're starting any new business, whether you're moving into new geography, new business line, whatever, it is a team effort, right? Um, and you, you can't do it alone and you need to make sure you have the entire organization behind you. Um, and that's one thing if I could do different, uh, or that's one thing that I certainly learned about that experience. And then very much ever since then made sure, you know, myself as well as others, make sure we do that, right? If we're going to do something new, right, and take on a risk, we all get focused around it. We all get organized around it. And, and I don't mean to oversimplify it, but it's similar to a project, right? Um, if you want a project and, and you know, boots on the ground or the next day, you know, there's a risk that that project's not going to go well. But if you step back, if you understand what the, the details of that work are and you put the right plan into place before you ever get out there, if you will, it goes a lot smoother. Um, so that's certainly certainly one of the uh, my my Tony's very expensive learning experiences, if you will. Well, no, that's some good. That's some good advice. I just wish, you know we all could learn from those things without making those mistakes, but Hey, that's just for the price to be paid huh? So everything it, has it, a price. It, it does. And sometimes, uh, sometimes you got to learn it yourself too. Right. So yes, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Um, and so my last question before I, we go into the speed round is 
you know, we have a younger group of people that uh, that listen to our podcast that are driven young, either mid or lower level uh, or recent college graduates. And they always uh, ask me when I'm around in a, and about uh, town about getting personal advice for them, you know, and I saw a lot of value. In fact, one of the things that I, I there was a contractor that worked on a classified facility I was involved with uh, many years ago, and he started with one truck. He ended up having 300 pieces of equipment, and uh, his organization had just blossomed under his leadership. And I just was, I asked him to go, go to lunch one day, and that's the question I asked him. If you were to give me a couple pieces of advice, what would that be? And so I asked you the same question, Tony. Uh, I would say make people better, right? You know, focus on, uh, you know, you, you certainly focus on you know, the work that you have going out there, the clients, right? But make sure you're focused on making your team better, right? Giving them those opportunities, right? And surrounding yourself with those people. Um, you know, I, I would say that the, the best leaders out there, you know, certainly not only in, you know, within the bond organization, but that I also see out there and, you know, in, in our client organizations and our subcontractor community and our peers, it's the people that are able to help really make, help people ensure they recognize their potential, if you will. Right. Um, so, you know, that, that goes back to making sure, you know, what your vision is, you know, what your plan is. And, you know, even if you write, you know, what your plan is for the next year, for the next five years, the next 10 years, right. You can always pivot, but know where the end goal is and make sure you surround yourself with the people around you to, to get that done, if you will. Great advice. Great advice there. So we're going to go into speed round. The speed round was simply eight different categories. I'd like for you to rate on a one to 10 scale, one being the least important, 10 being the most important, and they can all be tens. The biggest thing I get with everybody is they're like, I don't want to rate all these 10, but they could all be tens if, they, if, if you think that they're that important. Do, so, I get to, uh, do I get to explain or do I just you give get a number? To, you, get, you get to explain. You get to explain. Okay. So so at first I tried no explanation, but that doesn't work so well. But Sorry, fair enough. Uh, with that said, 1 to 10, 10 being the most important, 1 being the least important. We'll start off with the first item is scheduling. I, I'd go with scheduling as a 10. I don't know. <laughs> um, to, uh, very good advice from one of my colleagues, um, especially when you're submitting a bid. There's only two things you control, your price and the schedule, if you will. Um, mm -hmm. So uh, to me, scheduling is, is at the heart of any project success, if you will, right? If you if you come up with the right approach, the right logistics, um, you have the right partners there and they all input into the right schedule there, um, I find the projects tend to go a lot smoother, if you will. And I think I already know the answer to this one, but you just said it. The second one is estimating. Oh yeah, yeah, that's that that's certainly a ten too. <laughs> Yes, I'm trying not to go all tens. I'll find a couple of eights and nines, hopefully. Um, but yeah, uh, that that that's by far a ten, right? You know, if you you got to set yourself up for success, you got to know what the market is, and you got to know what um you know too as the as the market expands, contract, you got to know what you know the market's giving you. You got to know what your people can do. The next two are construction. I mean, excuse me, contracts, and then contract administration. So contracts, I'm referring to the paper contract, and contract administration as it actually execution of the administrative side of a project. Okay, so I get to give two numbers or one? You get to give two. Okay, uh, <laughs> so <laughs> I would say contracts, they're, uh, they're probably, I'd go with an eight. Um, you know, they're certainly critical, uh, no doubt about it, given the, the, the nature of the work out there now. Um, 
there's a lot more uh, challenging and, and complex projects out there, right? Whether you know you go from the typical, whether you're doing CM at risk, design bid build right now to more design build EPC, right? So, so contracts have been uh, gotten more and more complex, right? Um, and the risk transfer has changed. Um, but the reason I'd give that an eight is because, um, you know, th there's always challenging contract designs, if you will. But if you tie it into your scheduling and your estimating process, a lot of those can be managed, right? If you know those up front. Um, and so on the contract administration aspect, um, I would certainly give that a nine at the very least then, if you will. Um, just given my experience, you know, contracts always work in interesting ways, um, but you have to know what you agree to at the beginning of the project. The client and any of your other partners need to know what they agree to. So then you, you got to make sure you follow that and execute on that, if you will, right? That's the, the you know, for lack of a term, that's the Bible at the end of the day. Um, so you got to know how to, to deliver that. Uh, next category is design. I think that's a, you know that's an ever evolving number nowadays, but I, I would still give that a nine. Um, to me, uh, you know, as a contractor, I would always say we have a responsibility to help fill in some of the gaps, right? Um, but we all know if if you have, if you have an incomplete design, uh, that project's going to be. Uh, if you're speaking specifically from the project lens, that project's going to be set up for a challenge for, and, and it's going to have a hard time having success, and it will lead to a lot of uh, challenging conversations throughout the project and at the end. Accounting, and I'm interested on in this number just for your background. Well, I'm certainly biased, <laughs> you know, um, but I, I probably I would give that an eight, honestly, right? Because from my standpoint, if you do a lot of what you talked about, uh, you know, the some of the uh, categories you brought up prior to that, um, the accounting typically takes care of itself. Business development, or better known as selling work. You know, in a, so for us, for me specifically, I would call probably business development, I'd probably give that an eight as well. Um, just given the work that, we, the, given the clients that we work for, it is certainly important to be out there and especially for new clients, that's when most people think of business development. Um, if I, but internally here at Bond, we actually think of it more from the client engagement. So if I can, if I, if you don't mind, I'm going to modify this score a little bit. If we're okay. talking about, about more about client engagement and how you support and work with the client, I'd give that a 10. Uh, that to us is just fundamental, right? Our, our business is built off repeat business um, and, and making sure we service those clients at all times. So I don't think of business development just in trying to develop the business, but I think of it all the way through, through the entire client experience, if you will. So last but not least, leadership. I mean, I that's got to that's got to be a ten, right? I, I'm in leadership, so I got to I got to say that's important. <laughs> um, you know, but uh, the, but the reason I think leadership's important, um, and, and I appreciate you giving us the opportunity or giving me the opportunity to explain, but it's largely because from a leadership perspective, just in the business we have and we've grown and we've seen it over the years. Leadership can't solve all the problems or, you know, figure out all the opportunities, um, but we can help set the stage, if you will, for our folks to help solve those problems or to help find help us find those opportunities. So so leadership to me is really about making sure you're creating the right environment. And I think whether it's in a business or in a project, um, you know, whatever dynamic you're working in, it, it's got to be a 10 because you have to make sure you're setting the table appropriately.
Well, Tony, I want to thank you for being on the podcast today. Um, and it kind of flew by, you know, uh, yeah, honestly. Um, and uh, you you gave me a lot of good things to think about. And I think you gave a lot of people uh, a lot of good thoughts and ideas. And uh, like I do, do with everybody, I always want to give you the last word. And I just want to thank you for what you do for the industry. I want to thank you for, for what you do for your company. And, and I want to thank you for, for what you do, uh, uh, you know, for the business world in general. Um, I mean, I have heard of you guys in the past uh, being, it, yes, in Kentucky, we hear things that happen outside of Kentucky, but, uh, but uh, the, 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 That's a good thing. the, the fact is, is that I have been very aware of your organization for a while. I didn't know all the specifics, but uh, uh, it, a lot of credit goes upon uh, you and your family and all, all everybody part of your organization. So I, I want to say you have something really to be proud of there. And as I said, you get the last word. No, I, I appreciate that. Scott. And certainly thank you for having me on. This is, I, I had a lot of fun doing this. Um, but you know, I, the biggest thing is I always like to say, I, it's just thank you to our clients and our people. Right. I mean, um, I, I've been afforded this opportunity where I'm sitting now uh, because of our, the clients that have out there that have given us the opportunities could continue to give us these opportunities, if you will. And for our people, right, just, just sticking it through is no doubt. Um, there's been a lot of uh, evolution in our business over the years, and it certainly feels like it's been, you know, even more so over the past two years, right? So um, given the amount of changes, given the different demands, everything else like that, it, it's just sincere gratitude for being able to, to sit here um, and be a part of this wonderful company. So I, I just want to say thank you to thank you to the folks that support us. Well, thank you for uh, joining us, all our listeners, for another uh, edition of Connex. Join us next week with a- another Connex podcast. Mm-hmm.